Check one, two, check one, two, Miami on the Rocks, Casey Chops. Make sure you follow us on that Instagram, at MIA on the Rocks. Follow us on YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Fresh off the Thanksgiving, today's guest. I've known him for, damn, bro, more than 10 years. More than for 10 sure. years. Crypto expert. Been in the music industry for a long, long, long time. Manager of MIMS. Uh, he's got plaques. Manager of Blackout, right? Producers, business partners, business partners. They got plaques. I got Eric Answerman in here. What's up, brother? What up, man? Good to see you, bro. Yeah, How's yeah. everything? That's like a. We're not supposed to be doing that during this. Uh, really? Damn, yeah. bro. How's the house? But, but I, I do it, and then people look at me, you know, awkward, and I'm like, Damn, it's done for the handshake, bro. Is that the the the, the dapping and the handshake thing in America is like a you know yeah. done for like at least a year. You think so? Damn, bro. So. How's it? I initially got the idea to, to bring you on because, you know, I've, you know, transitioned and, and got into stocks, got into crypto. And, mm -hmm. and you're always, you know, shedding light and giving information to the people in the crypto game. And, and you seem heavily into it. You seem very educated in, in that subject. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about what kind of got you into that? Like, yeah. So, you know, uh, music executive, been, mm -hmm. do, been doing it my whole life ever since college, um, moved out from New York. Moved down to Miami in 2005, uh, working for Jive Records at the time, which is a division of Sony Sony uh, Records. Mm -hmm. um, Jive is, has now merged into RCAJ, so there is no more Jive Records. It's now RCAJ. Mm -hmm. But at the time, and, and even now, they have you know everyone from Britney Spears, mm -hmm. Backstreet Boys, and Sync mm -hmm. uh, to Chris Brown mm -hmm. and uh, and T Pain. Mm -hmm. So when I moved down to uh, Miami in 2005, it was to do uh, radio promotion and marketing mm -hmm. and handle the entire Florida region for Jive mm -hmm. Records. This was before anyone knew who Chris Brown and T-Pain was. Mm -hmm. So kind of my first uh, tasks and responsibilities when I came down to Florida was to make Chris Brown and T-Pain, uh, along with the other records at right. Jive, but those were the developing acts, a household name. Mm -hmm. And uh, look at where they are now. Exactly. So uh, I take pride in knowing that uh, you know I was one of the first radio promotion guys to take those two mm -hmm. um, gentlemen on the road and 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 introduce them to radio stations um, like uh, Power ninety six and, mm -hmm. and all the other stations down here and and get them airplay on commercial radio and then you know radio then translates into popularity and then mm -hmm. hopefully popularity translates into at the time record sales right today's streams um, during my, during my time at Jive Records. Um, I don't want to be long-winded with the, with the answer, but it's a pretty mm -hmm. long-winded response. Well, I actually let's start yeah. from your beginning, so this is a good okay. So I guess that's my beginnings in Florida, right. but prior to that, I worked at Electra Records for three and a half years, which okay. is like Metallica, Stain, right. Busta Rhymes. I'm an OG, Missy right. Elliott. Right. You know, so I've been doing it for for quite some time um, up in up in New York, and um, one of the youngest. Actually, I was the youngest radio promotion marketing person mm -hmm. in the history of Electra. I was 23 years old or 22 mm -hmm. when I got the job out of college. Um, and I was working in New York, um, which was the number, number still is the number one radio market in the world. And uh, that was a very big task at a young age. And I learned a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I got the job because I was very qualified. Mm -hmm. But, but um, I where were you born? I was born in New Jersey. Well, I was born in New York, mm -hmm. um, but I grew up in grew up in New Jersey. Went to Rutgers University, which okay. is a New Jersey University, um, and then first job out of, and interned at various record labels. I interned at Loud, Loud Records, mm -hmm. Wu Tang, Big Pun, mm -hmm. Beat Nuts, wow. uh, Alcoholics, Mob Deep, Classic. Rest in Peace Project. I, yeah. I mean, so you know, doing street team mm -hmm. like on an all Spanish and black street mm -hmm. team. I was the white dude in Corona Queens, like Clueless, mm -hmm. but you know posters and stuff so I've, I've done it all i've done almost every aspect of the music industry i've been a part of from street team to radio promotion to discovering talent to signing talent uh and ring projects getting them deals negotiating publishing deals the whole gamut i've done mm -hmm. and um you know mims was someone that i was working with when i was at electra and it, all the labels passed on him and uh, again, that's a, a five-hour conversation about right. what happened with Mims. But when I moved to Florida for Jive Records, um, we took the This Is Why I'm Hot record, and I promoted it to the same stations that I was promoting T-Pain and, and, and Chris Brown to. Mm -hmm. And I developed a good network of people in, in, in uh, South Florida, including yourself and others. And um, I started to distribute the This Is Why I'm Hot record independently to my radio relationships in Florida. And a few stations in Fort, one station in Fort Myers specifically, and uh, 
Omar, who's mm-hmm. now at uh, Power 96, of all places in Miami, mm-hmm. as Big O, as well as uh, Beata, who's mm-hmm. now the music director at Kiss in LA, the one of the most powerful pop stations. Mm-hmm. She was in Tampa. They played This Is Why I'm Hot. It got a good reaction, and then it started to translate into radio spins across Florida. And then after some Florida stations picked it up, parts of the other country started to pick it up because it was doing really well. It started in Florida? It started wow. in Florida. No, yeah, yeah. It started New York New York artist Mims, you know, New York rapper Mims. Couldn't, we couldn't. We were we had a little traction in New York, but it mm-hmm. was just it's like a rat race, man. Everyone's chasing the same cheese in New York. Yeah. So Mim said, "Yo, what if I was the first New York artist to come down to Florida and break out of Florida?" And Florida was and still is super popping, and um, we kind of broke the mold. We kind of pioneered that. Um, at the time, the only number one record from a New York rapper was actually Fifty. People mm. don't recognize that the only other number one record or top big record coming out of New York. In, in, in a lot of years at that time was this is why I'm hot mm-hmm. uh, but that it, it was because of Florida that Mims's um, uh, popularity gained mm-hmm. and and that you know we got signed to Capitol Records which is a West Coast label um, it, it, we made over uh, 18 million dollars for Capitol Records Damn. we had a 50-50 I'm gonna break it down we had a 50-50 deal with Capitol which is unheard of I think Drake might be the it's unheard of to have yeah. a 50-50 deal that means that we weren't a royalty based artist with Capitol right um, so we shared in the process it was like a, par- a straight partnership it was like a partnership yeah um, where whatever they spend on the album and the marketing and the promotion gets recouped gets taken off of the top of the earnings and then the remainder gets split 50-50 um, between my company, uh, American King Music, and uh, mine and Mims and, and my partner sales company, and Capitol Records. And uh, what happened was is they ripped us off. They stole literally millions and millions of dollars from us. And we went through a lawsuit uh, litigation with them, and I had to sell my house in Florida. I had to, spe- you know, people think that, like, you know, it takes years to become an overnight success. Right. People think that one hit wonder, overnight success. Now, right. uh, anyone who's had success in the music industry has literally, for the most part, there's, mm-hmm. there's outsiders, for, for the most part, have literally spent uh, 10 years right developing their craft to get Sleep, to sleeping on floors and, and like we trying did, to figure We did all yeah. that. Yeah. I'm, hum- I'm humble enough to admit that we did all that shit. Yeah. We did all that. Like we didn't. We were touring. We were traveling on like on the Met Demand tour when when gas was ninety cents. To show you how old I am. Right. When gas was ninety cents, and we couldn't afford a tank of gas, and we were sleeping like three. We were sleeping in closets and Motel Sixes on the road traveling the country because that's what we had to do at the time. That's all we could do. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I digress. Uh, Capital ripped us off. We went ahead and sued them, and that really coming from the music side, uh, the the record side, and then translating over to the artist management side and the discovery of talent. I really recognized like how. F- fucked up the labels are and how mm-hmm. corrupt the system is and it's how it's really um it, it's 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 a it, it's a system that's not set up for the for the majority of the artists to win right right and it, it's really set up to piss off a lot of artists and they just go through them like you know okay next 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 so all, all, all this talk that Kanye was talking about as like we need to own our that was probably like music to your ears, huh? I, I retweeted re, Eric Answerman with a mm-hmm. K E R I K. You follow me? Mm-hmm. I reposted all that shit because yeah. you know Kanye's a, a, a little bit crazy. But what one of the tweets that Kanye mentioned in there is the exact same reason or method that Capitol Records was able to use to steal millions of dollars mm-hmm. from my family mm-hmm. and from myself. Mm-hmm. So um, Kanye was spot on. He's he's not really spot on with a lot of stuff in my. Mm-hmm. But that he was a hundred. Uh, right. Every tweet that he said, he was spot on. Now it's self-serving for him in a lot of right. aspects, but yes, he it, was his intentions, and it made complete sense. Like, yeah, yeah. So, oof. so fast forward. You know, after we got ripped off, Mims is like, we asked to be released from Capital between the first album and the second album. We said we don't want to be here anymore. You want to rip us off? Just let us go. And they were like, it's not that easy to get off a little label. We're like, okay, well, you want us to stay? You're gonna have to pay us for the second album, and they did. And then they released the album too early because they want to make what's called fiscal fourth quarter, which means they have billings that they needed to make. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, at, at the time, um, now it's owned by Universal Music, but at the time it was owned by EMI, which was a British-owned company. Mm-hmm. And the fourth quarter in Britain is the end of March or beginning of April. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. For, for, for UK-based for UK, for UK companies. So that think of it as their December. 
and they need to make their you know their shareholders happy and their investors happy and they need to show billing and at the time uh mims was the hottest artist on Capitol records he was the black music department right for the most and part how long this is why i'm hot how long was that on the charts that oh shit man I, Bro, that, I feel like that record was number one for we, we released it in like october of 2006 the album came out in march of 2007 so mm -hmm. it was it was number but it was a global it wasn't just number one in america it's right. global in like every fucking country right. in the, around the world um like I said, generated over 18, 18 million dollars. And um, bottom line is they stole, like they stole it all. Like right. they, they said that we owed them money, wow. um, essentially. So we said, get, get us out. They wouldn't let us out. Um, am I sit, talking too much about, because this, no, this no, is no, really in-depth music bro. stuff. We're in no rush. All right, cool. Um, the, label, the, the label had up to a year to opt in his second album. So it's mm -hmm. their option to, I'm really gonna break down the music industry. Yeah, yeah. It's their option to determine whether or not they wanna give us a budget to release the second album. So the album came out, came out in 2007 um, of March. So they had essentially a, 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 until March of 2008 to tell us whether they wanted him to release another album. But what happens between 2007 and 2008? A year is a death sentence for an artist. Right. If you're not putting out music or releasing music, especially today. Back then it wasn't as bad, but it was bad. Right. Today you don't release music like damn near every week. You're like yeah. irrelevant, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. So the label fucked us by waiting and waiting and waiting to opt us in when they knew we wanted out. So they could have either said at the time, no, we're gonna opt you in, here's your album budget, go record your album, give us it, give it to us because you're contractually obligated, or they could have said, let us out. They waited until the last hour, last five minutes possible legally by law to opt us in, which was like March XYZ, like right before 9 p.m. business time in like UK. They said, we're gonna, we want your album. So then what happened? So then they give us the budget, which was decent, and then we had to record the album. So it took us another like six months to get the album out. So a year and a half passed, between when the first album was released with This Is Why I'm Hot and the second album. Mm. And then the second album released and they were expecting us to come up with a, none of This Is Why I'm Hot, but Mims was very introspective in the second album and was more, um, it wasn't so radio friendly. Right, right, right. And the label was like, well, are you sure you wanna go with this single move? And I was like, yeah, but that's that's just the setup record. We gotta come with the next one. And then we were shooting the, the video to move in LA and the label's like, we're releasing your album like XYZ date. I was like, no, you are fucking not. It's not like the album's not ready. They were like, um, they were like, well, you don't have a choice. We're the label. We're going to release it, but we're going to give you a second video. So whatever single you guys want to come out with after move, we'll give you the video for the second album. And um, what happened was they were like, we predict the album was, you know, was going to do 80,000 copies the first week. Back then, pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, even today, that's fantastic. Yeah, so yeah. Um, we were like, all right, if you guys are going to do it, go ahead, whatever. We thought it was a bad move. Bottom line is album came out. It did like 12 or 13,000 copies the first week, like physically or whatever. It, obviously, it was, it was a bomb. It tanked. They they never they basically stopped returning our calls. They didn't give us the second the second um, the second video to mm -hmm. push the real single that we wanted. And they eventually granted us our release off the album and got us off the album after robbing I don't know ten million dollars uh, yeah, from us, and putting you in that purgatory of like two years. Exa it, exactly, which yeah. is a death sentence. Yeah. Right? I could have gone to any I could have gone to any universe. Like I, there were yeah. so many labels I wanted to sign them. I could have went to any label or could have been independent, which is really what we always wanted to do. Yeah. Be. Um, anyways, I'm going off. So, do you, do you do you for artists today? Yeah. Like, do you, do, it's being signed is not something you want to be. Like, that's not as. I mean, I guess it depends, but like, it's not as glamorous as it. Well, I got signed. I got signed. People don't even know what that means, really. Like, I, I have. I can again spend hours talking about that top uh, that subject. I am, in my humble opinion, an expert in the subject because I've gone through it. I've also I also gave Jason Derulo his first mm -hmm. um, production uh, deal, but no one talks about that. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very independently independently minded driven. Artists, labels are not signing artists. Labels are signing, well, they're signing a lot of TikTok crap, but yeah. labels want to sign a team, a team, a business. Mm -hmm. So today they wouldn't just sign Mims because it's Mims. They would want Mims, Eric, and my other partners because they know that we, there's a team around. It's like, yeah, it's like a, a label almost. A, a like label. A, yeah, like, yeah, a like, like, label. like, like QC, QC, quality control. Exactly, right? exactly. They want to see that there's people behind that artist that have common sense and know how to, that can that, that are an expansion for the labels because the labels are not doing artist development anymore. Right. Anyone that tells you labels are doing artist development or a that's fucking been, line. Uh, yeah, it's been dead. They're, they're not. Yeah. They're, they're not. Yeah. They're, they're signing something that's already got, um, labels are great at this. They're great at taking something that has momentum and, and, um, expanding that momentum globally so and you know what's crazy yeah. i even say radio is not doing radio talent development anymore they just want to sign let's sign nick cannon let's syndicate the big guy instead of developing actual new talent you know what i mean it, well that has to do with budgets 
and right. shrinking revenues right. and more people having diverse ways to view and, and, and right. listen to content. Right. Whereas the whereas the record labels, it's like they they becoming licensing hubs. They just want to mm. they want catalog music and they want to be able to license that content to um, technology, which we'll get into technology platforms like Spotify and others that are building technologies off of their content. A lot of these technology platforms like Spotify cannot succeed Isn't without that, like that a content. Conflict of interest, bro. Like. Um, no, no? It, it's it's no, it's not a conflict of interest for them for the labels wanting to l be able to license the content to the technology companies. The the record labels, uh, if you want to compare it to the to the, to um, radio, the record labels don't want to create their own technology platforms because it's a very big risk. Right. They have to spend a lot of money. They have to it's a whole different right, right. different employees. And so that what they say is is that we'll let the entrepreneurs like myself go out there and spend our money and spend our and take our risk. And then whichever ones succeed, those are the ones we're going to leech onto. Exactly. Because they need our content to succeed. So it's it's business. It's yeah. not it's that's definitely not a conflict. Um, what is a conflict, and this happens not in America per se, but definitely overseas in places like Korea and, and, and a lot of Asian countries, where the record label is also the management company and the agent, and everything goes through them, and the label owns the rights to the group. So mm. let's like dis like a Disney like like Disney. Oh yeah, it's it's three sixty times five forty. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's like we own it's like a, yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, and and out and out there like like BTS. If a member of BTS you know was to leave like, biggest band in the world, if I remember found out about them two weeks ago. But continue. Uh, they're the big they're the big thing. If B if a member of BTS was to leave, they would just replace them because the label Big Hit Entertainment owns BTS. Right. Meaning the the brand BTS. So right. it's like okay, you don't want to be on this thing. See ya. N wow. Next one. Damn, bro. That's crazy. I, I know about international markets and, yeah. and all that stuff. So, get, I was going to say. Yeah. So, what made you transition into the tech side? Like, this this was this goes back. I don't know five six years ago. After um, we got screwed by the labels, you know, Mims is a, a tech techie. Um, mm -hmm. He's always got the latest gadgets and stuff. And he was like, "We got to get into the tech wave because we're entrepreneurs. We're hustlers. We made something out of nothing." And um, you know we made a lot of money for somebody in music, mm -hmm. and and Mims was like, you know, we have to get into tech now. I, at the time, I had the BlackBerry, I didn't have the iPhone. Like I was the latest to adopt mm -hmm. to technology. Um, like I said, I'm an OG, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, I'm so I'm so old. I'm just OGs did not want to let go of that BlackBerry. Yo, <laughs> I'm so OG that you probably don't even know. Back in the day, computers had floppy disks, and then it was like hard disks. And anyway, so I, I I went to school when there was a floppy disk. That's mm -hmm. how old I am. And I not to say that. I'm I'm like prehistoric yeah, yeah. Um, so i was just like the last adopt and i was like oh i was like i was like you know every other week mims mims would call me with an idea and and, and several of my other clients the same thing they would I'm, I'm like a springboard off of them manager's job is to take the artist's vision and to um bring it to the masses right right we're, we're the voice of the artist when it comes when it comes to a lot of uh, business and translating that and at the same time whatever whatever the other party is that we're trying to do business with, the managers are also responsible for translating that message to the artist. Like, okay, here's what, here's what my client wants to do. This is what you want to do. Let me go then talk to the client. And my job, and any manager's job, is to listen to both sides, mm -hmm. obviously favoring your client side, but listening to both sides and trying to make a deal, mm -hmm. right? Where, in my humble opinion, a lawyer is just fuck up deals. Yeah. Um, a manager's job is really to try not to be impartial, but to try to make a deal happen if there should be a deal. Mm -hmm. So every day, Mims would call, not every day, every week, Mims would call me with some idea and idea and idea and idea and technology or whatever. And then one day he came to me with, with a few ideas that I thought were brilliant. And then I went out and I researched the market. You know, who are the competitors? Does this make sense for us to get into? And then we just went down the path many, many years ago to develop our own apps without even knowing how to develop an app. So I went to like Stanford University and I would like literally, I didn't necessarily sleep on the floor, but I was like waiting outside of like all these nerds, and I mean that in a good way, yeah. all these nerds classes and stuff. And I was like, hey, I got this idea for this music app. And they're like, they like looked at me like a weirdo, you know? I was like, they're like, they're like, bro, we got paid, you know, we got paid $200,000 as an intern at Oracle. We're gonna, you think we're gonna fucking build your startup music idea? And it was, and I didn't know where to turn, but eventually I learned how to that, do it. Yeah. Damn, out, waiting outside, cause no one else, like app building, app creating at that time was like a crazy skill to like know. Like, it still is. It's, yeah. it's, it's, if anyone out there who's into app developing, you're gonna have a job for a very long time. Yeah. Damn, bro. So or software development. When did the crypt? When did when did? Okay, so when did you first hear about cryptocurrency? So I actually first. I'm uh, I'm pretty well known now in the mm -hmm. in the um, uh, 
technology space in Miami. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I go to conferences and talks all the time and I'm either speaking or I'm a, a le listener. Like sometimes mm -hmm. you're a student and sometimes you're the professor, right? Mm -hmm. And I like to be right in the middle. Um, I bought my first crypto when I in like 2012. I had no fucking really? idea where. Yeah, 2000, holy but, but, shit! But it was only a, let me not. It was a dollar's worth. Yeah. Someone, I was someone. There was an ATM, a Bitcoin ATM, which is actually based in Miami. They're still around. It's called Bit, Bit, Bitcoin ATM, I think is what it's called, or Bitstop. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, something like that. And the guy was like, "Give me a dollar. I'm going to give you this digital fucking monopoly money." And I was like, uh, they, "Actually, he was like, give me a hundred dollars." Which, by the way, if I put a hundred dollars in that time, I'd be very well off. He's mm -hmm. like, "Give me a hundred dollars," and I was like, "I'm." For what? He's like, all right, just give me a dollar so I could just show you how the machine works. And I was hesitant to even do that. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I was like, all right, whatever. Gave him a dollar. He bought some Bitcoin, and that was all I knew. I didn't even have a clue. I, I was like, this is just throwing money in the toilet. I had no idea what it was. Right. Um, developed Mims Blackout, and I developed an app called uh, at the time it's called Recordgram. Now it's called Creator App. It's basically a mobile recording studio in your pocket. Mm -hmm. It's like TikTok, but for original music creation. Music producers upload beats, artists can discover them, write a song, record a song, shoot a video, and share it. So mm -hmm. it's basically like taking a recording studio and putting it in a 13-year-old's pocket. Right. Um, it's still around. Download it. Creator app on iOS. Um, we won uh, TechCrunch Disrupt, which mm -hmm. is the biggest startup competition in the world. Mm -hmm. um, Google that, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, so we won TechCrunch Disrupt, uh, minority company to win the first and only music company to ever win um, TechCrunch. This is a really, really big deal now. Like the biggest investors in the world in, in America, like go to this thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's like the Grammys for startups, for lack mm -hmm. of a better term. Um, I don't know how the hell we won, but we won. And then after we won, this is in May of 2017, if I recall. And at the time, crypto was really starting to become somewhat mainstream. Like it's when Bitcoin was going from like $800 to like thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And I was starting to get calls from my, my current investors because I, I raised a, a million dollars for the company. So I was starting to get calls from some of my um, investors as well as some of, of my friends in Dubai who are very well off and rich and mm -hmm. wealthy and very mm -hmm. wealthy actually. And uh, I know Dubai is. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to talk about that as well because you were in Dubai for a minute too. Yeah, I go to Dubai all the time. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but we've been going. I've been going to Dubai before. before, it was before like Dubai, like Dubai is, as a country, I think is forty-five or fifty years old from mm -hmm. the, from when they really started to develop. Mims and I've been going to Dubai for ten years. So yeah. I think Mims was like the third. It was like Akon, Busta, and Mims. Like Mims was like the third or fourth hip hop artist wow. to perform, like U.S. hip hop artist to perform in Dubai. That's crazy. So we have a really good uh, relationships out there, and and uh, we love going there. But um. People just various people who I who I respect, uh, several big artist managers that I'm friends with, um, just various people from investors to rich guys to people in the music industry, all walks of life, are talking to me about cryptocurrency. Can you uh, yeah. can you break it down for the average person listening? What is cryptocurrency? Oh, what is shit. what is Bitcoin? You know what is Ripple? People yeah. don't. Okay, um, man, this is gonna sound really fucking nerdy if I go real real deep into but, it. But don't don't go deep. Break it down to, for like the average girl listening, like the average. Cryptocurrency is digital internet money. Okay. That's it. Okay. So uh, we, imagine, imagine if, and not imagine, this is happening now. <laughs> imagine if you're, okay, uh, these kids are using, what is it, V-Bucks and Rebucks? I'm sure any parents yeah, yeah, out there like know. Fortnite and shit, yeah. Okay. That's, that's okay. essentially cryptocurrency, but it doesn't have a value. The okay. value for that is that they can go buy goods in these stores that are, in these digital stores that are owned by Fortnite and or um, Roblox. Okay. But imagine if you had a digital currency, a, a Roblox, a right. Robux, whatever the fuck, right. uh, that you can actually use to buy goods and services and things with. Right. That's okay. what all these cryptocurrencies are. And it's it's global, correct? Global. Like so, you there's no to... bank. Mm -hmm. There's no intermediary. It's not controlled by any government. No one can stop you from using it per se. So it also means that you have custody of your money. Um, I want to break it down in layman's terms. We think that we, when we put our money in banks, that we own our money. Mm -hmm. We don't own our money. Um, I've been fortunate in my life that I, I've had to go to the bank to take out $100,000, not to brag. Okay? Mm -hmm. I had to go take, do a transaction, I had to go get $100,000. When I went to the bank and I said, hi, here, my, here's my legal name, all my documents, my corporate documents, I, I have some money in my account, I'd like to remove $100,000. They, you know, it, it took me days, mm -hmm. maybe even a week at the, to, get my, to get my money that I owned. Mm -hmm. 
I, and this is many years ago. I realized at that time that I didn't own my money. The bank said, what do you need it for? What are you using it for? They're doing like anti-money laundering and KYC, know your customer. They want to know, like, I mean, they already do that, but they want to know what am I using the money for? Mm -hmm. Under 10 grand, they don't really ask. And sometimes the bank teller will be like, you want nine grand? But when you go in there to get like a nice chunk of money, mm -hmm. they're like, they're like, we don't even have that money in the bank. We have to call the the uh, what the fuck the security right, truck, right, the armored right. vehicle to come and drop us the money, and then we can call you and you can come get it. Right. So it wasn't like an easy process. Um, there's something called the run on the banks, which has happened in Beirut and Lebanon recently, where the I think it's the Lebanese pound went down and deflated it, 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 by fifty. It decreased by fifty percent in value. Uh. So one dollar uh, Lebanese pound was worth fifty cents the following morning. But what do you think happened? All, all the Lebanese went all to the banks to get their, to pull their money out. Right. What do you think the banks did? They shut their fucking doors because the banks didn't have the money to give it to the people. Right. In America, again, this is, this is, I'm not trying to get too technical. In America, we have what's called fractional banking. What that means is for every dollar you give the banks, they lend that dollar out 10 times. So, um, so your dollar to the banks is worth 10 times the amount. If everyone makes a run on the banks in America, which kind of happened in 08 and 09 a little bit, mm -hmm. the, 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 bank, the bank, by the way, the banks only insure you up to, I think, $150,000. So for every account you have, if you have more than $150,000, if one day the, the banks go bankrupt, they don't owe you more than $150,000. So if they own multiple accounts that have so is it safe to say like you don't want really all your money in the bank you want some in real estate you want some in stock you want some in you want to really diversify where your money's at or um so i'm not a lawyer not mm -hmm. a financial analyst i don't have any formal training mm -hmm. i have none of my money in the bank except for like daily credit mm -hmm. card bills and stuff like right, that. right so the answer is is that any my, this is my strategy right right i'm diversified in in, in hard assets i'm the, or or right. in crypto that's okay. where my diver and i'm also a licensed real estate agent okay um so i believe in i believe in hard assets i believe in real estate i believe in gold and i believe in crypto and me that's all i fucking believe in mm. i don't believe in the u.s dollar mm -hmm. the the the, the, I, uh, the u.s dollar is still the most powerful centralized currency in the world mm -hmm. but it's also losing value for us here in america what the dollar today is going to be worth it's it's worth it's going to be worth about 15 percent less next year which means whatever we see in the stores if milk is three dollars it's going to be 15 percent higher yeah. next year based on the value of the dollar because the u.s government instead of instead of telling the citizens that we need to quarantine for three weeks like they did or even maybe longer like they did in the uae dubai mm -hmm. or, or like they did in italy um and by the way in the uae like Every like there were certain days that people can leave to go food shopping, so right, you right. weren't stuck in your house. Right, is that Colombia, other countries? But it was like it was like uh, it was like you know a uh, national court lockdown. It was a na you can't do that here because yeah. we're like fifty little countries and you, you there, can't. There, really there was like cops in the street. They're like, yo, you can't leave yeah. the house. Let me see your paper to show that you can leave on Wednesday mm. to go get chicken. You know, now people may think that's extreme, but it worked in America. You know, you know what our government decided to do, and and I can't necessarily knock them because they had to. Mm -hmm. They decided to go get their printing machine in the backyard of the White House and print trillions of dollars of money well what happens all of a sudden when you're printing more of something it's devaluing what's already exactly. out there exactly and we think in america that oh that's great i got you know twelve hundred dollars and or or i got these you know ppp hot boys and the ppp mm -hmm. hot girls and the eidl hot mm -hmm. girls are like i got all this money someone's paying for it <laughs> yeah it's going to be your fucking kids who are paying for yeah. it yeah maybe not next year but in three to five years but no one no one no one cares right people are going to care when they have to spend fifteen dollars on milk and that's going to be very I don't want to say very soon. It's going to happen in the future. Right. When you go to the store, instead of paying $3 for milk, you're paying $15 for milk. They're going to say, why am I paying $15 for milk? Well, the EI, you know, the PPP hot boys just took right. you know, $3 trillion. The pandemic in, boys. And the pandemic boys just took $3 trillion, <laughs> printed fucking money out of thin air. So Damn. the point is, is that Bitcoin um, is a hedge against the US well, dollar. Well, question for you. Yeah. What stops Bitcoin? bitcoin from doing that from it's, making more bitcoin it there's a there's a limited uh, unlim, um, uh fixed supply sorry mm -hmm. there's only 21 million bitcoin in existence ever and it's rumored not there's about 3 million bitcoin that's already lost so that means really in circulating supply there will only ever be about 18 to 18 and a half million bitcoin but it, someone creates it right like right. How, like because it's not a tangible thing right so how do you can't any person create a bitcoin any computer hacker any um, you know what i mean i know what you mean hold on gonna give you an example yeah I don't, know, I don't know if i have any money in my wallet this this right here mm -hmm. the only reason this has value is because the u.s government says that this has value right but this is really not really worth that much right so bitcoin is just 
a representation of this that the market determines how much the value it is based on the supply and demand of, of Bitcoin. Back in the day, people used seashells. They mm -hmm. used even salt. There was, there's mm -hmm. one country in Africa that if you gave the, 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 the father salt, you can have sex with his daughter. Right. Back, back in the day. Right, right, that, right, it was right. a form of currency. Right. So, but, but, but the U.S. government can print money. Who, they have who is money. in charge of Bitcoin? Who, who prints the Bitcoin? Nobody's in charge of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is, is ran off of computer code. So it's, um, it's, it's immutable, which means it can't, the code can't be changed. It can't be hacked. Bitcoin cannot be hacked. Your wallet that you hold your Bitcoin in can be hacked. Someone can get your credentials, your, your, your SIM swap you. They can get your phone number and they could steal your, your crypto. But that's not, hacking, that's not hacking the blockchain that the Bitcoin is on. Blockchains have never, Bitcoin blockchain has never been hacked. It never will be hacked. It's, wow. it's just, it's computer code. It's, it's high level shit that some guy named Satoshi Nokomoto, this made up fictitious, mm -hmm. well not, this character who doesn't want to be known, mm -hmm. came up with this concept for Bitcoin, published the Bitcoin um, white paper, mm -hmm. and during when the country was going through a bunch of shit and said, the central banks, the central banks are stealing from the people. This is not a good way, this is not a good way that, that money should operate. Have you ever tried to send a wire on the weekend? You can't. Yeah. You can't. You yeah. can't send a wire on the yeah. weekend. Why? We're, we're in a 24-7, 365 economy, global economy, where we can't send money on the weekend. With big, and, and, have you ever, and if you try to send money um, in, in countries where people are not as fortunate as we are, in, in India and in certain, uh, let's say, Latin American mm -hmm. countries, when you try to send a few hundred dollars to a family member, you, you might be paying $30. Now, right. that doesn't seem like a lot, but when you look at the percentage of money you're sending versus the fees you're paying, it's a hell of a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's a hell of a lot to a family that may not have the, the same type of um, financial uh, bank accounts that, right. that you or I have. So the, the point is, is that um, blockchain is a, and, and cryptocurrency is a way to move money um, internationally without any anyone controlling your money. You have asset, you have control over it 24 seven. You could transfer it 24 seven and you can, and, and it's cheap, way cheaper to transfer money. I can transfer a million dollars to you right now in five seconds for less than and, a dollar. And, and internationally too. International, that's right. Yeah. It's all done through digital wallets. Do you think we'll, we'll get to a space where there'll be Bitcoin ATMs and we could easily just exchange US money for some of my Bitcoin? Or? There, there already, there's like a, uh, 80 exchanges in my, there, there already are. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Dang. In fact, let me pull out one other cool, cool little gadget I got. Do you, People are like, well, can I spend this Bitcoin? Can I, can I use this Bitcoin to buy anything? Like, what is this monopoly money that's just made up of the, out of the sky? Mm -hmm. Let me just block certain things. This is a, a Visa crypto card. Oh shit! Which is attached to my phone, which has a digital wallet in it. My wallet has a certain amount of cryptocurrency. So Bitcoin. you could swipe that like a regular card. This is Visa. Anywhere that Visa is accepted, this is accepted. The merchant doesn't even know I'm using crypto. Why? Because wow. you, in my app, the currency um, transfers, or I'm sorry, it, it converts to whatever the current rate is at the time I make the purchase. So let's say I have $1,000 in Bitcoin and Bitcoin is worth, let's say $1,000. It's mm -hmm. worth way more than that. But let's say, so it's 1000 thousand, right? And I go buy a, a coffee. If Bitcoin is $900, then, then my Bitcoin that I'm transferring to this card is worth 900. If Bitcoin is worth 2000, now it's worth 2000. The point is, is that the merchant gets the $5 for the latte. They don't know that I just use Bitcoin to do it because they're not receiving Bitcoin. The Bitcoin converts to $5 USD at that moment of purchase. Mm. So as long as it's on your wallet, you could still uh, earn money or lose money depending on what the price of Bitcoin is. And then when you're ready to convert it, that's when your, that's when your strike price right. is. But it's like it's like instantaneous in your phone and i can use this anywhere in the world wow and and then you know bitcoin obviously birthed a bunch of other cryptocurrencies what yeah. how do you feel about that like is it you know bitcoin is obviously still like the mother cryptocurrency bitcoin is nike and all the other current cryptocurrencies are, are are behind it um the really the difference between various cryptocurrencies is really their use case and their functionalities what can you use these various cryptocurrencies for um, who's accepting these cryptocurrencies and really they're all software it's all like i said programmable code computer code mm -hmm. and certain um all different currencies differ in some aspects of their code so um I don't know how deep you want me to get into it about the yeah, different currencies yeah. and stuff, but well, well, for example, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong because I, you know, two years ago, 2018, you had that whole hype, Bitcoin hype, and and that was when I got into it and mm -hmm. invested into it, and the ones that I invested to at the time were Ripple yeah. and um, TRX. Yeah, 
Um, would you say Ripple is who's number two right now? Well, it's uh, it's bit it's Bitcoin, it's Ethereum, and then number three, I believe, is Ripple. Okay, as it, of five minutes ago, I think. Yeah. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. And, and, okay. So, for example, what differs between Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Ripple? So, okay. So Bitcoin is what people consider a store of value. When Bitcoin first came out, people thought it was going to be used as digital money. But what happened is, is so many people started buying Bitcoin that it became valuable like gold. It mm. became a store of value. The reason that investors and rich people way smarter than me own gold is because historically it's been a gold of uh, a store of value. What that means is it holds the value. It doesn't devalue like what's happening with the US dollar right now. So it's a hedge against the dollar. When the dollar uh, inflates, um, the the value of gold goes up. In fact, there's an inverse correlation. So when dollar goes down, I mean, when dollar goes down, gold goes up. When dollar goes up, gold goes down. Mm. So, um, uh, so it's again, it's a hedge against the U.S. dollar. That's why people say gold is a good investment. Um, uh, but what happened was is that, but unlike gold, um, which Bitcoin is compared to. Um, have you ever tried to carry a ton of gold or a million dollars worth of gold? You, you would need like a, a truck. I think. Yeah. I can carry I I can carry a million dollars of Bitcoin on in my pocket right now on that digital it's yeah. weightless right um, I can also use Bitcoin to buy things Have you ever had a ton of gold and tried to shave off gold at the supermarket to buy yeah. your produce It's impossible right right So you can't transfer you can't really store gold You can't put a rock of gold in your living room I mean, You could I mean, you mm -hmm. look ridiculous and and you can't really pay with gold So it's not a means of payment It is a store of value It gold is a store of value But so is Bitcoin and Bitcoin mm -hmm. has other properties like being able to transfer it quickly and spend it on things that gold will, will never ever have. Um, so what happens is, and then when you have the increase in Bitcoin, people are, people, the intended use case of Bitcoin initially as a, as a method of payment, that's no longer it. Right now it's gold, it's store value. Mm -hmm. People are investing in Bitcoin because they believe that the price is going to appreciate as the dollar, uh, as inflation happens around the world globally, it, it, will, it will be a store of value. And if you take a look at what gold started out, an ounce of gold and where it is now, you can only you can only imagine what the price of Bitcoin is going to be in the future. And when you look at gold's market cap, which I'm not 100 percent sure what it is, mm -hmm. Bitcoin's market cap is just a fraction of gold. So if you believe or your audience believes, as I believe, that Bitcoin is going to start taking market share of gold away and is going to start to eat up into that market share of gold, even if it, Bitcoin takes just a little bit of a bigger percentage of gold's market cap. And what gold has right now, meaning gold market cap goes down a little bit and mm -hmm. Bitcoin's market cap increases. Oh, we're looking at trillions of dollars. We're looking at the new economy, which will make the Bitcoin the global economy, which will make the limited supply of Bitcoin that's out there today exponentially grow. Wow. Those are just economics. This is not like yeah. Eric, Eric's crazy fucking thoughts. Yeah. That's just simple. Do you economics. see it as stocks where it could like split or like because right now you're like no. you, you could you could sell uh, fractions of one Bitcoin, right? Like, well, yeah. Well, good. Yeah. Let me let me be clear for the audience. It, Bitcoin right now, last trading was seventeen thousand two hundred dollars or something like that. As right. of when we sat down, it's probably higher now. Um, you can buy ten dollars worth of Bitcoin. So don't think that you have to go spend seventeen thousand dollars on Bitcoin. Um, no, Bitcoin won't necessarily split. What happens? The what happens is it's called forking, forking uh -huh. in crypto. Um, which is happening with XRP. Well, not exactly, but forking is basically someone takes this computer code and they make it better. They improve on it and they create another token that's built on top of that blockchain um, to work with this new software system. So they take Bitcoin's blockchain and they'll make improvements to it, mm -hmm. like Bitcoin Cash or stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, again, I can get really nerdy. With so, this. so uh, back to the original question: Can you what? So now, what's Ripple? What's Ethereum? What's the, what are okay, the differences? So, so Ethereum. Um, Ethereum is where my heart is. Um, it's it's it has a, a very strong use case for the music industry, and it has a very strong use case for almost any industry in the world, including real estate and dozens of others. Um, Ethereum is kind of a, a developer's software developer's currency, which they can build applications off of. And the main benefit of Ethereum versus Bitcoin is that they have what's called smart contract language. What smart contract language is, it's simply computer code that executes a contract. So um, let's just say I want to sign an artist. Uh, bottom line is contracts today, whether they're real, real estate or music related or anything, um, paper contracts, there's lawyers involved. You know, give me my check, give me the check. Every six mm -hmm. months, I got to call to get my money. Right. Right. There's a lot of middlemen, a, little people, a lot of people in the process. It's a, it's a manual process. Mm -hmm. All right. Computer code or smart con smart contracts are computer code that executes these smart contracts. So, nerds plug in in the smart contract what the what the if it was a written contract what would it be in computer code and it executes 
So let's just say for a royalty-based artist, you know, in six months, the artist is owed money. They don't have to call up Capital Records and say, where's my money? Through the blockchain, they get paid automatically based on what the, the code process tells handles it. It's like automatic payment almost. It's automatic, like, it's automatic processing. That's right. Oh, shit. All right. When you, when, um, I know, this is some deep I'm shit. like trying to like wrap my head around it. Like, give me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a healthy guy, fortunately, but unfortunately, you know, my, my, both of my parents passed away, not to get all personal. Mm -hmm. when, when, when my parents passed away, whenever they go to the hospital, the doctors, that doctor has to call every other doctor before them and they have to like fucking fax the paperwork. Very archaic system because mm -hmm. they're trying to protect their identity and their, it's just, it, nothing is really done on the computer. It's like so archaic. Mm -hmm. Well, what if each person has its own unique identifying blockchain number, right? Mm -hmm. They don't know your Casey Chops. They just know that you're a fucking number. Mm -hmm. And you tell the doctor who sees you, you have permission to use my number to access all of my medical records. So instead of that, so now the, all the doctors are, are putting your records on the blockchain, which is a transparent ledger. Again, I can get really deep. It's transparent com computer code that, that a layman person can read. And instead of that doctor having to call, call all your different people that you saw, they could just go into your blockchain unique identifier and look at all your health records. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that could, not to get all deep, but that could save millions of lives. Right. Because if I'm allergic to penicillin, which I am, mm -hmm. and, and I, God forbid, get into a car accident and someone at the scene wants to give me penicillin, well, I'll probably die from the penicillin before I'll die from the car accident. But if they can just look on their computer code right. and look on the blockchain, they can say, okay, Eric's allergic to penicillin. They don't got to call, call my doctors. I, I, again, I can get right. really deep and stuff, but this is not far from the future. Right. This is going to happen. Right. So not to well, feel like a nut job, but wow. I'm telling you it's going to happen. Okay. These are just different excuses. This is all these different use cases of, of, of Ethereum and smart right. contracts. <laughs> so I own, I own, I'm an investor in Ripple for two years. And I don't know what the fuck it is still. So like, yeah. all I know is it's it has a promising future. Yeah. So can you, can you break Ripple down? Yeah. Ripple, Ripple very simply is a global remittance token. You can, it basically allows you to transfer, what I said before, they're working with the major banking system, you know, Swift, the Swift code, you ever have to go to the bank and give your Swift code to transfer money mm -hmm. to different bank accounts. Um, it's basically a replacement for the Swift code, but in a digital form. So you can literally make instantaneous transfers to people all over the world at a fraction, like pennies to the dot, pennies of what it would cost you to send money. Right. So I can send you millions of dollars using Ripple XRP through the banking system, instantaneous on the weekends, whatever, right. uh, using using Ripple. That's that's basically Ripple, what right. Ripple's promises. Wow. And, and Ripple didn't have smart contracts, um, but now there's a new, a new platform out there that took Ripple's code and is improving on Ripple's code, and it's called the Flare Network or the Spark Token, and that's supposed to be coming out December 12th in about 12 days, which is why Ripple's price has gone through the roof. Wow, and cor correct me if I'm wrong, they just, Bank of America announced that they're going to start doing dealings with Ripple? You know what's crazy? I read that somewhere, but I didn't, I didn't read that. Someone sent me that, but I, didn't, I don't know if that's true, but that, oh, okay. it could be true. It, okay. it, if it's not, it will be true. Right. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So and it's not just there's other banks outside of America. There's big banks, international banks that are using Ripple's Ripple system as a as a way to remit payment to one another. Right. It, it may go over a lot of your view, you know viewers' heads, and it may, mm -hmm. people may not understand it. But when you have to send money to places overseas, there's like you know waiting obviously waiting periods. You got to wait three days for this to clear. Mm -hmm. Got to pay this fee or forty five dollars to wire transfer. Well, if I need to send you money instantly for a transaction. I don't want there to be a lot of people in the middle. I don't want you to have to wait right. days and days and days to get the money that I'm sending you. I right. want to know that, that transaction's happening quickly and I want it to be as cheap as possible. Ripple right. allows us to do that. And it also makes sense to diversify your currency so you're not at the mercy of if the dollar goes down, now your whole your whole per portfolio is down. You know, have some Ripple, have some Bitcoin, have some U US shit, have some yen, have whatever, you know? Like what so you were in Dubai for a minute, bro, and and mm -hmm. can you talk about that country um you know, you were doing a lot of tech stuff over there, right? Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, MIMS was touring in Dubai before we were even thinking about tech. Right. So we go out there just because we have friends out there and we, we, we love spending time. And they there. have like pet tigers and shit. What's yeah, the, what's the craziest we, we, shit you've seen in Dubai? Craziest shit. The most luxurious ignorant oh like, i mean we've seen all the crazy like the cars and the right there, there there's a like um uh, there's like a crashed lambo like junk cars. junkyard no junkyard like there's people a, just crashed their lambos it's like <laughs> a lambo junkyard I'm like man just give me the bump yeah, yeah you know so um 
No, I mean, the, the last time I was in Dubai, uh, they shut down the roads for, for this car club that my friend is a part of and he invited me to go. So we were going, you know, 150 miles an hour on these streets, like wow. weaving in and out and the traffic was to the side and the cops were like- Allowing coming. it. Yeah, they were, they were our chaperones. Wow, man. That was pretty dope. I pet tigers and all that shit, but I'm not a big, I don't like the animal stuff yeah. because uh, I'm very uh, pro animals. Yeah. And the hotels are crazy over there, right? Yeah, the, the hotels, are, yeah. You know, you go out here, you spend $200. It's like, what are you getting for $200? Even people think that Dubai is so expensive to travel. Yo, it, Dubai is not an expensive place to travel to. You can get a flight for $800 to Dubai mm -hmm. and you can get a, a dope Airbnb, a two bedroom, three bedroom Airbnb for $100 a night. $100 a night. That's it? Really? Yes. See, that's what I'm saying. That's, oh, shit. That's yeah. typically the reaction people get. Damn. Because they see all this luxury and they think, if it was that luxurious, then there wouldn't be. Dubai relies on tourism, mm -hmm. not not so much oil. Well, it's oil based, but it's right. they, they're trying to they're using the oil money to build up their tourism. So if it was that expensive for people around the world to travel to, then there wouldn't be too many people traveling there. Damn. So bro. it's not as expensive as people think. And, and now, if you go to the club and you want a table, yeah, yeah. you're getting popped, you know, ten times club live style. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, if you want to just do cool shit and see cool shit, it ain't that expensive. I might go next week, actually. <laughs> might go to Dubai next week. Hollow brick, but that's because there's the um, there's a big uh, technology conference that I'm involved in, and in the week after is F1 races. So, mm. so where else do you see you just the tech world going, bro? Like, you know, that's how do you feel about streaming? Like just in in the um in the music space, like yeah, I I think streaming streaming is is good. It's it, you know if the streaming companies pay pay the songwriters um what what they're owed. Um, I've I've always felt back in the day that streaming is an amazing way to consume content, but I knew that if artists were getting fucked pre-streaming, that there was going to be a million million more ways that they can get ripped off today. Because we don't know what a stream is worth at That's the end right. of the day. It's like and digital real estate. I, I'm in the music industry. I know all the shit, and I still don't know what it's because it, it's every it's prorated. Every it's like how much advertising is versus the amount of listeners divided by. I mean, it's, you got to be fucking Einstein to right. figure it out. And it, then you know, just it's not the, transparent, right? Exactly. And then just in the podcast space, I think it's seventy five percent of of uh, streaming listenership comes from music, and twenty five percent comes from podcasts. And if you know, you know, I have listeners that listen for an hour, right? Let's say my retention is close to forty five minutes to an hour. So if this song gets this many streams, it's worth this. Then what the fuck is an hour's worth of them spending a time on on your digital platform worth? No one's getting paid from podcasts. You know what I'm saying? And they're still spending. It's like music. It's it's the same shit. It's time on your app. And, and an hour on a podcast of anyone spending an hour is very very valuable. If if you're advertising if there's advertisement because it has to be monetized some way right but apple is not apple and spotify they're not giving out checks like they are for the music side it's a loss leader side. for them oh oh for, for the, on the podcast side that may right. change right that you know may change so uh, people are spending all this time on uh, all this digital real estate on 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 podcasting but they're only paying the, the music side of it. You know what I'm saying? So Well, there was a few podcast companies that got acquired recently for like $200 million. From Spotify. And, you know, Joe Rogan signed $100 million deal with Spotify. Yeah, yeah that, that backfired on Spotify, in my opinion. Really? Yeah. Well, why do you well, think so? their stock prices went up artificially, but some of the content, the people, you know, some of the employees didn't like some of the content that Joe Rogan oh, had. Yeah, and yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. they overpaid for that. Like, is Joe Rogan real? I love Joe Rogan, but is it really, is it really that valuable of a dude? Like, I mean, $100 million? He's like billions, of, he, as the biggest podcast in the world. Like the biggest, the, the, and his podcast for three hours. So pe his retention time, people are spending three hours, and, he, and there's, he's getting millions of views for three hours. You know what I mean? It's a different type of, I have not jumped on the podcast craze, although mm -hmm. I know I should be. I, maybe mm -hmm. I think on one plant, like I listen to, I listen to Drink Champs. Okay, um, yeah, they're dope. And I think maybe I listen to five minutes of Joe Rogan, but mm -hmm. my, t me personally, my time is so consumed. I like reading traditional books, mm -hmm. and I'm reading like the blogs and the crypto stuff that mm -hmm. I just don't have time for the podcast. Um, but but I I get it because you can consume the content. You can get See, Remember, I said I'm kind of late on technology. Right, so right, maybe right. I'm late on this. You can consume the content whenever you want. Right exactly. at your fingertips. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's dope. And you can educate yourself a lot quicker than any other time, any other period in history, because you could, you know, I'd rather listen to something than read something. You know what I'm saying? So Joe Rogan is having scientists and neurologists and you know all that, and I'm learning so much shit that I could be driving, and it's like I'm reading a book. You know what I mean? The, the, the difference for me when it comes to reading a book, and by the way, I'm not a po the, the difference for me about reading a book is when I read a book, I get to make up my own decisions, and when I'm listening to a podcast, there's always 
probably multiple people in the podcast and and i don't know what kind of hidden agendas these people have to have this conversation right so right you know pe people may be watching us right now and say eric wants us to go buy bitcoin so that his bitcoin holdings go up like i don't think anyone's gonna make that big of a dent on my on my holdings out there so i'm just trying right. to educate right um, right right that, right you know that, that's what that and by the way this is the where everyone is everyone who's watching mm -hmm. who's still watching me blab it you're still early on crypto so if you don't have it or you don't understand it you're not late you're okay. still very 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 fucking early so how, how um, do you see i mean i can never like really trust any analysis because they were like mm -hmm. ripple's gonna be a dollar by the end of the week mm -hmm. and this shit went down to 50 cents so i mm -hmm. can't really trust anyone's shit you know what i mean but mm -hmm. would you say just those top three just to invest in those top bitcoin ripple ethereum like just focus. so so there's another one that i'm very bullish on and again this is not financial advice or mm -hmm. legal advice this is what i have uh, it's called celsius i'm a big fan of, of celsius um celsius.network you guys can follow me on instagram and get my referral code um humble uh, mm -hmm. shill here um it celsius uh custodies your crypto so what that means is that you don't have custody of your own holdings your own crypto they custody your crypto so if you have a uh, ten thousand dollars in bitcoin you give it to them they lend out your crypto and they pay you 10 percent interest a year uh, on various actually up to 20 something percent so is this the substitute for binance you were like get your shit off binance uh, I, well, <laughs> no no not a substitute for binance oh. it's not an exchange um I don't trust any exchanges out of America because I've had bad dealings and bad relationships with them. There's really a lot of these countries that these companies or these exchanges are based in are very um, liberal and progressive and there's no real recourse. So if they take your money as a U.S. citizen, because again, there's no banks, there's no middlemen, there's nobody. Right. If they get hacked, a computer hack happens and their, and their funds get stolen, who are you going to call to get your crypto back? So who do you, so who, where do you keep your Bitcoin? So you're saying <laughs> I shouldn't keep it in Binance. No. Damn. No. So, the only exchanges that I trust, and this isn't where I keep my, I keep my crypto on my digital wallets, which are my own, I'm sorry, my, it's called cold storage. It's like a USB jump drive or like a. It's kind of like your bank account, your crypto bank account. Yeah, you, you can but say you can, it it's not, you can't trade on Sure it. you can. Oh, you can. Well, you got to transfer it out of certain, certain cold storages to the exchange. The exchanges are where you trade, right. but it's not where you custody your coins. Don't leave your tokens on, on these centralized exchanges because then they have cut, they own it. Like, it's right. like a bank. The only way that you have custody of your own crypto is if you keep it in your digital ledger or your digital wallets, okay. um, which is like a little jump drive. So how do you prefer people, you know, like to maneuver with their Bitcoins as far as where to keep it and where to exchange it and where to trade yeah, it? So in, in America, um, we have very limited options and we have very limited options because it's a very heavily regulated space, um, unlike the rest of the world, which is not very regulated. So you really have Coinbase, you have Kraken, you have Bittrex and gemini um are and, and binance.us although i think they may be shutting that down for regulation um really it's coinbase kraken bitrex and um well actually bitrex uh, depending well, on your account really it's coinbase for most people yeah I had, yeah i had coinbase but then i had to transfer from coinbase into into binance to be able to exchange so what you're saying is do i take the money off binance and then put it back into coinbase it it the difference with other exchanges is that there's more token trading pairs. So whatever currency you have, you can trade it with a, a variety of various cryptocurrencies. Where on Coinbase, there's maybe less than 50 tokens that you can trade on Coinbase. On some other exchanges, it's up to hundreds of them. Well, two years ago, it was only Bitcoin. So that's what I'm saying. Right. right. Yeah, it was, it was less. They're, they're increasing. Coinbase is increasing, but they're not increasing it to all projects because a lot of projects are scams and are not worthy and they're stealing funds. Mm -hmm. So that's why you have to be very careful of what other cryptocurrencies you're trading into. But for the most part, do you trust Coinbase? Yes, 100%. They're okay. regulated by the U.S. government. They have ridiculous insurance policy. They're like a fucking bank. Okay. Yeah, I trust Coinbase. Okay. And they have such an insurance policy that if your crypto got stolen, they'd be able to replace it. Okay. Go try that with some Chinese exchange. So, so are you suggesting to me that I take my money out of Binance and just put it and keep it in Coinbase? Yes. Okay. Well, actually Celsius, if you want to be honest with you. Okay. Because you earn interest. You don't earn interest on Coinbase. Although Coinbase now has an interest. You can earn interest on Coinbase, but it's not as much as Celsius. Right. So and, I, and I don't see myself trading coins. Like Celsius, I, I just, that, just keep Celsius is a holdable platform, which what it means is that if you believe in the long-term value of your crypto holdings, mm -hmm. put it onto Coinbase. I mean, I'm sorry, put it onto um, Celsius and you'll earn interest every, every day. You'll earn interest. And so I say transfer my Ripple to Celsius. I can buy more Ripple on Celsius. Um, it, it, I believe they are going in that route, but maybe not for U.S. right now. So you have to you still have to kind of buy on these geek, these gateways like Coinbase, which is regulated by the U.S. government and okay. by banking laws. And SEC. so I could buy Ripple on Coinbase now. One hundred percent. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
Dope, Eric. I appreciate you coming through. Uh, plug your social media where everybody oh, can Eric, follow you. Um, yeah, Eric Answerman. E R I K A N S W E R M A N. Follow cool. me if they have anyone has any questions about this stuff. They can always PM me and I'll cool. respond uh, when I have time. You're you're in the the real estate game, right? I am. I'm a licensed real estate agent. So if anyone's looking for real estate in Florida, I kind of know what the fuck I'm talking. How about. do you feel about the the Miami real estate right now? <laughs> okay, again, my opinion. Um, right now, home values in Pembroke Pines, Miramar, single family homes have gone up about twenty or thirty percent during during COVID for a few reasons. Number one, everyone from New York and LA is moving out here. Right. Uh, number two, there's people from downtown area that's moving to the suburbs or to the single of the flooding and shit, right? To single family because they don't want to be around a lot of people because of COVID. That's mm. the real other mm. reason. Um, the uh, the other reason is that there's uh, and this is the main reason that home values are increasing in this market or in South Florida. Uh, everyone wants to live here. Cost of living, no taxes or low taxes, depending on how you how you uh, register. Um, there's no inventory. There's low inventory. So if there was 200 homes before COVID for sale, now there's like 20. Yeah. Like affordable homes. Right. Um, and those homes that are on the market right now are not the best homes. Meaning, before COVID, people probably wouldn't even look to certain certain tax in certain brackets or, right. or money. Meaning it's gone up in like a three hundred thousand dollar home is maybe three fifty three sixty now. Right. And 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 you're looking at that home for three sixty, and you're like, well, that, that's a there's no that, there's nothing good for three sixty. You're looking at a four hundred thousand dollar home before COVID at four fifty four sixty, and you're like, man, I could have got this home for four hundred before COVID. Why am I going to pay fifty sixty more? And it's it's like FOMO. It's like people interest rates are low. Mm -hmm. They're going to be by the way, interest rates are going to be low. Not or we're low before COVID and we'll be low. In in my opinion for another year and a half so okay. anyone out there who thinks they have to go buy a home now because interest rates are still low they're going to be low for a while yeah and here's okay. why the economy in my opinion mm -hmm. is going to go a fucking bloodbath mm -hmm. in q2 and q3 of next year again i i am a real estate agent mm -hmm. but i'm not a, a licensed financier i believe that the short sale foreclosure craze it's not going to be as, as big as it was is going to come back in uh q2 and q3 of next year why because the government has a moratorium on um, uh, evictions, foreclosures. They can't kick anyone out till the end of the year. Mm. But the banks have already started the process. Mm -hmm. So the banks are just waiting for the time to start kicking out people. So if you are, um, especially for those that are, the people that are renting, um, if you're renting a home and you have you know, six months, you haven't paid your rent and no one's kicked you out and they can't kick you out, when they can kick you out, what's the first thing, before they kick you out, what's the first thing your landlord or management officer is gonna say to you? Hey, you got that six months rent you owe us? And if you say no, what, they're gonna kick you out. Mm -hmm. Now, you may say, well, how's that gonna increase them or how's that gonna affect the market? Because owners of properties, are some are very, very rich, not, not all, they have a mortgage to pay. Mm -hmm. How are they gonna pay, how have they been able to pay their mortgage if you're not paying them their rent? So it, it, it's a trickle-down effect where the renters can affect the, sing, the, the, the owners of single-family properties and maybe some of those, those um, landowners or, 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 or landlords are going to start foreclosing or short-selling on their homes. Mm -hmm. And then you look at it the other side, anyone who thinks that the job market has recovered, I don't care what news you listen to, I don't care what political affiliation you are, if you really believe the economy is strong right now, you're fucking delusional. Yeah, it's yeah. strong for the top 1% of 1%. Yeah. Right. Um, I love that ringtone. Yeah. So, it, so the, the the point the point that I'm saying is that, you know, there, twenty percent of, about fifty percent of people in Florida, to my knowledge, um, have more or like have or their homes are paid off. I heard this reason. I think fifty really? percent of people, yeah, something like that. Fifty percent of their homes are paid off. That seems like a high number, though. Mm -hmm. Thirty percent before COVID had positive equity in their homes, meaning their their homes were worth more than what they owed. And then there was always, and then there was like twenty percent of the people where they took out, you know, a three percent mortgage at a low interest rate. But right now, it's like their the the property values versus what they owe. It's like it's like dead even. Now, if they lose their jobs, are they going to be able to keep that up? No. Mm -hmm. now, now you go down to the other thirty percent people who were positive in equity. So if they've lost their jobs. Now what's happening is the equity in their homes are decreasing because they haven't been able to make those payments. Right. And no one's foreclosing on them, but eventually they're gonna have to make those payments. So, so the equity in their homes is, 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 is shortening. So those are the, gonna be the people, well, the 20% finished, short sale foreclosure, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And the other 30%, um, their, their home, they're not necessarily at short sale foreclosure status yet because their homes are still worth more than what they owed. But if they don't have a mortgage, I'm sorry, and if they don't have a job and they can't afford to pay their mortgage, they better start seeing a real estate agent like myself to sell their home. 
right. before it has to get short sold or foreclosed, right. unfortunately for them, right. because they don't have a job. So anyone who's smart right now who thinks, oh, we're just gonna wait it out, we're gonna just wait it so out. So you see a crash coming? Yeah, I do. Yeah. A very bad one. Yeah. A very national. I, I don't like, want to be a scared one. Yeah. Oh, if it's happening, yeah. yeah. Florida's always the worst. Yeah. Um, but yes, nationally for sure. And then, you know, yeah. just as far as the condo climate in Miami, I, I think the status. That's the worst right now. I think this, the status is like one in every three condos in Brickell's empty. Right. There's a five year, um, unlike single family homes, which is doing well right now. People who are watching this who have single family homes think that I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. The people who are in condos know there's a five year surplus of condos, meaning for, there's so many condos that are available right now for sale that we, it's going to take five years to sell out that inventory. When is it going to crash so I could buy it, bro? I said Q2, like, Q3. I, had, I, Q2. Got my, I got my condo on the market like for like, you know, uh, uh, 50% more than what it's worth. Just, yeah. I hope someone from New York up north bites on it because they got to move mm -hmm. the grandma down here or something. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, that's where, I, that's where I'm I'm waiting for that to crash so I could get one of those condos at a low price. But Q2, Q3 of next year. The condos are actually, <laughs> Q2, Q3 next year, I think it's going to be okay. a, a time. And, okay. you know, most realtors will say, bye, 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 bye now. Bye, bye. Now. No, I, I don't want, I don't want our people to go through what they went through in 07, 08, and mm -hmm. 09. And, and, and there were people who were, it, the, I see the exact what happened 07, 08, and 09 is, is going to happen, I believe, next year. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a series of things. There's the political climate, there's COVID, there's people mm -hmm. losing jobs. In 07, 08, 09, the housing crisis um, started, uh, caused our, our recession. Mm -hmm. And right now, the housing market is the only thing keeping us afloat. Mm -hmm. But at the end of this year, the government is is pulling away their safety net for a lot of people right and a lot of people are not going to recover are not going to have jobs and, and and that's compounded by the fact that we're just flooding market we're flooding money into the market and printing money our money machine which is devaluing our dollar right so people are losing jobs the savings that they have are devaluing uh are, are losing are losing money and um and uh how are they gonna how are we gonna pay all these how are we gonna pay all these bills yeah it's Damn you! Again, you're depressing not, me. Eric. Again, no, no, I'm, I, no I'm, I'm, I've made more. The rich people, and I'm not rich, but mm -hmm. the rich people have made more money during COVID. It's than, fucked up. Yeah, and that's why that's why I'm here sharing sharing this information with you mm -hmm. because we, um, the people, the, the middle class, mm -hmm. the middle class, right, um, and even those that are that are uh, less class, if that makes sense, lower, lower class, class. Yeah, I don't like saying you know lower class. Right, right. Um, we have an opportunity right now to ten times. 10 times our net worth in the next six months using crypto and blockchain, if you're smart, mm -hmm. um, 10 times. So if you have 10,000 in the bank right now, you can have 60,000 in the bank in six months. You can also do that in the stock market, but crypto thing is a lot more fun. Right. Um, there's a generational shift in wealth that's happening right now, in my opinion, that we'll never see in, in my lifetime again. Mm -hmm. And that's happening because of blockchain and crypto, because we're still at the ground of this early technology. This dot, you know, dot com when it was early, it was mm -hmm. there was people who made money, there were people who lost, and there was a few that made it out. And the ones that made it out, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Celsius, these are ones that I'm betting on. So put so put the money into to, into crypto. Is what you're saying? Uh, and it, real estate and right. gold, diversify. Right. And stock, and, you play with the stock market? You know, you know what's crazy is that I did play with the stock market. I sold all of my holdings. Um, crypto's more fun to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I think but the it's, stock market is it's, yeah. But it's volatile. No? What is? Like, like Bitcoin. Before like, we sat down, I told you that I'm a degenerate poker player, right? Mm -hmm. I bet on sports. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm, an, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Like mm -hmm. when you met me, I was with Jive, I was corporate. I would take my money and I would reinvest it into myself. I would mm -hmm. reinvest it into things that I believed in. And that in and of itself is the biggest, the biggest risk, the, the, the biggest and the safest risk you can take is on yourself. Right. My father passed away and, you know, he said, Eric, just keep betting on yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, because when I was younger and I was like, Dad, how are all these, how are all these, and I was younger, way younger. I was like, how are all these people making money? He was like, they bet on themselves. That was his answer. They bet on themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't trust, they, they, they bet, if they, they believe that they can achieve you know, and then, and then there are others, there are investors who bet on themselves, do well, and then they take their money and they bet on others, mm -hmm. you know? Eventually, I'm going to get to a point where, you know, I'm no longer hip for the music industry, and I'm going to be betting right. on the younger kids to right. make it happen or the younger software developer to make it happen. Right now, I'm in that position. But when I get to a certain position that I can invest my money Put in someone else, on, yeah. I'm still investing in, I'm investing in myself by investing in you because I believe that you're the new me. A lot of people, yeah, no, a lot of people don't have that mind state, bro. No, no, no. A lot I, of people I, do not even understand that concept. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't have the answers to everything, but right. I think that I can spot people who do, and I'm going to bet on those people when I get into right. that financial position. If there was anyone I would bet on, it's people 
like yourself that are ahead of the curve as far as tech because tech is the future tech is going to be everything you mm-hmm. know what i mean so the people that are on the you know are, are on the forefront of that uh, i'm trusting what they're saying about the future i have you my know? i have my son my 10 year old son he's been doing coding school since he was seven i didn't have those same opportunities like i said there was the floppy disk when i was younger right. i don't know how to code and i'm a tech entrepreneur right I don't know how to rap, and I'm a music executive. I won a Latin Grammy, Mino Hablo Español. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For real. I, yeah. Never, I won a Grammy with Don Omar. I don't even speak Spanish. Yeah. So don't think, I don't, any, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. I know it sounds right. con- con- contrived and corny, but we're in the greatest fucking country in the world. If you dream it, you can achieve it if you work hard and stop making excuses. Right. And right now, with this paradigm shift with cryptocurrency, the, a lot of the institutional players and the bankers are now starting to get into it. And you're going to see Bitcoin, in my opinion, mm-hmm. w- which is what's happening the last few weeks. Some of the bigger players are now, they doubted it. And now they're like, wait a minute, this Bitcoin thing is for real. And then as more people get into it, it's going to be a chain effect. So if, okay, let's just play hypothetical right now. If Bitcoin is, what did you say? Is that 17K? Yes, yeah, I, I can look right now. Yeah, good. Let's say seventeen k. Seventeen thousand one hundred eighty-two dollars. Nope, sixteen thousand nine hundred ninety-one dollars. You see? <laughs> okay, so a year from now, where is it at? Where do you say? A year? I hate. I, this is just a yeah, complete yeah. fucking guess. A year from now? Um, I mean, I can give a crazy. I can give a range of say fifty to hundred grand, or I could say it'll be a hundred grand in a year from now. Really? Mm-hmm. People are looking for smart people. Very, very smart people are looking for an investment outside of the US dollar. We keep our money in banks because they pay us 1% interest a year. Mm-hmm. Celsius gives us 10 to 20% interest a year. The dollar is losing 15% in value. Bitcoin went up, I don't know, 100% this year. Bitcoin actually historically, since Bitcoin's been out, it's, been, it's gone up 100% every single year. So yeah, Bitcoin tanks, people lose money, it goes up, it goes down. It's very manipulated because there's whales. Bitcoin's market cap is still very small compared to let's say Apple. Right. But the bigger the market cap of something something gets, the harder it is to um, manipulate it. Right. So they have a, there's a lot of people overseas that you know the, the, we call them whales that have a right. lot of that can buy and sell and manipulate the price. But eventually right. they'll be and eventually all they'll these, be weeded out. All these dinosaurs with, with that still don't even understand the concept. With all this money, eventually they're going to put money into it. In and, the beginning, in January, if not the first, certainly the first quarter of next year, PayPal is going to introduce the Libra token, which is pegged to the US dollar. It's going to be the biggest social network in the world is going to be using a cryptocurrency for their network. Now it's pegged to the US dollar, which means it's not necessarily investment. If the dollar goes up in value, then the Libra token will go up because of the inflation and but, uh, or deflation. But um, what it's going to do, what, what Facebook introducing Libra is going to do, it's going to let all of your viewers and everyone else around the world who's on Facebook who has no idea how to use crypto, a digital wallet, doesn't know what I'm talking about. It's going to be like a self-education for all these 2 billion people that use Facebook. Mm. And then once these people are comfortable with Libra and, and transacting with this digital currency in Facebook, by the way, China's already doing this. They've been right. doing it for years now. So as soon as we move all of our transactions digitally and people get comfortable using their phones as their bank accounts and their wallets and custing their own tokens and keeping their passcodes and their phrases secure and using two-factor authentication, this is all Chinese to a lot of people, mm-hmm. but not to me. Right. As soon as people get used to it, and it'll be very, it, it won't be that long of an adoption process, people will be like, well, what else can I get? Can I get Bitcoin now? Can I get, yeah, it's the same process. It, it, it's called network effects, man. Mm-hmm. Like you, this. You, you, so you, you think in, in, in how long like paper dollars are going to be non-existent eventually, I, right? I, I, I think within the next four years, paper dollars could be, uh, could be, yeah. Not worthless. Not worth, well, well, dollar won't be worthless. Within the, within the next eight years, I can easily see the U.S. dot, the U.S. Uh, I mean, China is all digital right now for really? the most part. They, they're not carrying, they're not carrying paper money in China. Really? So yeah. I'll just phone to phone, tap my phone all on phone, your phone. It's through WeChat, man. Alipay, WeChat. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. I, I appreciate you coming through and, and breaking all this down. Yeah, we could do this. Um, thank you. Like, as always, um, tell the people one more time where they could follow you. Oh, Eric Answerman. E-R-I-K-A-N-S-W-E-R on Instagram. That's really the only platform I'm on. Twitter okay. was hacked by a bot years ago. And I just <laughs> let it go, man. <laughs> there it is, bro. Appreciate it, bro. Shit.